Now, the Buckeye Extra Podcast with Rob Aller, Bill Rabinowitz, and Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us on another edition of the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast. I'm Joey Kaufman. I'm joined by Rob Aller and Bill Rabinowitz. We have a three-man edition of the podcast. Bill is back from Indianapolis, where he was at the NFL Scouting Combine this week. So we'll get Bill's thoughts on what he heard and saw there. And we'll also preview spring football practice, which starts on Tuesday, March 7th. So if you want a little more football, meat and potatoes, um, at least uh, some serving is coming up later this week. But, Bill, how was uh, Indy? Indy was it was lovely. It was lovely. I mean, I've done this. I, I think I've gone to the combine every year since 2000, except for the COVID year, of course. Um, you know, actually, it's a little bit sad because there are so many fewer reporters there because <laughs> there's some been such attrition through retirements, layoffs, or whatever. It's it's not quite the same. But in terms of national exposure, it's it's far different. I mean, it's it's like a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, eight Buckeyes were there. This week, we talked to seven of them. Dewan Jones, his interview was canceled because he had extended medical testing, which was a little bit curious because he didn't really, you know, have a lot of injuries at Ohio State. He was a pretty durable guy. I don't know whether that was just there was just a backlog because he was one of the later people or whether there was an actual issue. But again, we didn't interview him, so we don't know. I think they had um, to find a scale that would. Well, I, I joked with somebody that he got stuck in the MRI machine. <laughs> he weighed he's the biggest player there i forget what six eight something and 374 or something like that. i mean Duane jones is a big guy and uh uh what was his 40 yeah. time what was his 40 time i don't know oh you know what he i think it was a didn't five he run like three, didn't he run he like had, four, he ran like six? a five three Duan jones are you out of your mind <laughs> he ran, I think, a five three four. i thought he I was four three again. thought he ran a four three jeez uh, I have it up here. He ran a five three five, which honestly, for a guy that size, you know, it's not so bad. You don't uh, want to get hit. You don't want to get hit by that, Rob. No. Didn't you, Rob, didn't you run a forty a couple years ago for a column? Uh, I did. It was. It was. And it was not pretty. Out with it, Out with it Butarski. I think I, ran, I think I ran seven. Oh, geez. But yeah, so, I was and, trying to – the problem was I was trying to hit the button on my watch as <laughs> I was crossing the finish line. So I'm giving myself like a six. And well, you're, at least, you're at least 50 pounds lighter than Dewan, right? I'm about – yeah, I'm about <laughs> 300 pounds lighter than that dude. Uh, I thought it was funny Luke Whippler described it as the underwear Olympics, and he was – you could see the sarcasm or the, you know, the uh, dismissiveness in the tone of his voice about, yeah, this is – really important for offensive linemen to run a 40 we do that all the time in games i mean it was you know it's luke whippler so that was i was amused by that uh, I, but I, the buckeyes that did stuff i was surprised cam brown and ronnie hickman did not choose to run the 40 uh i ran into cam the next day and asked him whether you know it was an injury he said no the eight my agents said you know let's wait till pro day i think he could have helped himself by running a really fast 40 time because he's he's not going to be a high draft pick and so I think that would have been a nice thing for him to do. But, you know, I'm not his agent. That's up to him. Uh, but the ones who did work out, I think, were, were impressive. I mean, C.J. Stroud got rave reviews for his throwing, although can't imagine anyone would be swayed by what he did. I mean, we have saw him play for two years. 
Jackson's been the Jacob Bundy, a little more meaningful because he didn't run the 40, but he did the cone drills and some of the other agility drills and did them very, very well, which should allay concern about, you know, the, the hamstring injury. Obviously, he's, he said he was healthy for the like, last two or three weeks was when he finally felt 100% healthy. He's going to run the 40 at Ohio State's Pro Day on March 22nd. Um, uh, Zach Harrison strained his hamstring. He did not run the 40, but his wingspan was like crazy, you know, and so, what'd you think uh, of that? Him not running? What'd you think of him not running? Well, he, he said he's there was some kind of report that he strained his hamstring. So you don't want to do it if there's if there's you know you're not going to run your best. So he didn't. Um, I don't think there's much doubt that he's going to run. I mean, I think it would have been great if he had, because then he would have you know posted that number and and people would have been buzzing about him. But if you're a little bit injured, then don't do it. Uh, hamstring. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely some buzz about it. Well. That's the way it goes. But I, I think that, um, you know, the last thing you want to do, especially these guys were around Jackson Smith and Jigba last year. You don't mess around with hamstrings. So if there's any tweak to it, just let it go. So, you know, and I thought all the guys that, that I talked to, you know, had were impressive in the, in the media interview. I mean, Paris Johnson, you can't listen to him and not be impressed by him. Um, you know, he's just an impressive guy. Zach Harrison's a smart guy. Uh, you know, I thought I thought they handled themselves well. And so I think it was a good weekend for Ohio State players for what it's worth. And I don't think it's worth a ton, honestly. It would, the most important thing at the Combine is the medical report, which we're not privy to, and how they do in individual team meetings, which we're not privy to. So take that with a grain of salt. CJ's media scrum seemed interesting in terms of, of what he talked about. Uh from yeah, the wish, wishes, of, wishes he did run more. Regrets yeah. not running yeah. more. <laughs> well, he kind of, you know, he took. Why didn't he listen to us? All he needed to do was <laughs> listen. Just read our <laughs> read our stuff, CJ. Just read our stuff, and you would have run more. <laughs> well, there you have it. There you although, have he, it. although Bill was he talking about just running or scrambling, or kind of what he did in the Georgia game where they they had to move the pocket because no, it was more like. He should have run more. Run. I mean, there were times we look. We all saw it. There mm-hmm. were times when he could have moved the chains by just running. Instead, he, you know, he had such faith in his arm and his receivers that he would wait, 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 wait. And sometimes it worked out, and sometimes he wouldn't. Whereas if it were, if he ran, it'd be a sure thing. So, you know, not a major criticism of him, but it was something that that was talked about certainly during his college career, and then against Georgia. And part of it was necessity. I mean, we we knew in that Georgia game, he wasn't going to have a clean pocket all game. He was going to have to create things uh, on his own and improvise. And he did. I mean, he was great in that game. And I think he made a lot of money from his performance in that game because he went from a guy that people would have had questions about in terms of that to one that goes, okay, he did it the biggest game that he played in against the best defense he played in. So, I mean, you know, CJ, I mean, it was funny. He said, Somebody asked him what his goal was and when he met with teams, and he said to be unapologetically me, which is what he told me last uh, August, I think it was, when I did a profile on him. And that was what he wanted to be last year. Was He he kind of felt like his first year he kind of put himself in a box and didn't feel like himself, and he wanted to be his true self his last year at Ohio State, which, which he was, I think. Uh, he's a confident guy. He said he thinks he would have won the Heisman two years in a row if they'd beaten Michigan. You know, he, yeah, I think he's he right. Have. 
He might I think have. he's right, especially in 21. I think both yeah. years he would have had a good shot. Right. He was the Nobody favorite. grabbed it in 21. He was the favorite going into the Michigan game in 21. And if he has a big game against the Wolverines, he probably wins that. Uh, Bryce and, and he goes down. Yeah, he goes down undisputed best quarterback in Ohio State history. Right. right. Probably if he wins both those those games. The other thing is he said, and I've actually heard this before he made his announcement, I, I really – Doubted it. I mean, I didn't put that much stock up, but I heard from somebody that he was seriously considering coming back. And, you, you know, you kind of hear that. You go, yeah, right. I mean, you see, I mean, why would he come back? I mean, he's going to be well, a multimillionaire. You, you get $10 million in NIL? He's wasn't going to get that much. I mean, he did all right, did well for himself. But, he, you know, whatever he made in NIL is a fraction of what he's going to make in the NFL. But I had heard from somebody who kind of knew that he was really torn about it. And he said that. Uh, he said, I was, you know, honestly, I was going to come back. And then he, he, he kind of came to his senses. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> well, no, because he, you know, in the end, he realized Whatever. it's time. I mean, you know, he did. I mean, you come back for another year of college. And then if you don't do all these things, you're going to really regret. I mean, what if you get hurt? What if, I mean, so I completely understand his decision to turn pro. I was surprised that he, said that he really was genuinely torn about it, but that that would have shaken up the the quarterback room, right? (laughs) I I will say that that always feels like semantics to me because you were to ask any quarterback who who goes and has eligibility. It's not like they're ever going to say, Oh yeah, I was definitely going. I couldn't wait to leave. Like I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get right. out of this place. Couldn't but wait I, to clock again. out. Couldn't wait to, to to punch my time card and and bail. It's, right. I mean, it's and and I think I don't think they're being not genuine by by that and saying they're seriously considering. I mean, these are twenty twenty one year old kids who I think genuinely enjoy being in college and and teammates. But it's always going to be too hard to look at that much guaranteed money and and pass i think you have to be a really unique person and andrew luck at stanford certainly was that when he came back for his extra year and you saw the way he left the colts and went in early retirement justin herbert's a really kind of different guy and, and he stayed a little bit longer at oregon but i mean you don't really see that uh by, those by anybody had, those guys had family money too yeah, I mean, you know, CJ Stroud's, you know, we, we know his family history. I mean, he, he went from a very comfortable existence to one that, you know, wasn't so comfortable uh, because of his father's situation. So, no, I, I mean, I was just surprised when I was told back when that he was actually really torn about it. And I was skeptical, but he he reinforced that. I mean, that's, that's all I'm saying. Look, you know, when Chris Olave, again, different position, but when he – uh, came back for his final year. We were all shocked. I mean, I was like, "You're kidding!" So it does happen, and I think in the NIL age, it's more likely to happen. You know, if you're not going to be a top, I mean, if you're CJ Stroud and you're going to be a top whatever pick in the draft, you're going to talk about tens of millions, and it's really hard to turn that down. If you get lower in the first round, the difference isn't that much. You know, it's it's significant, but not that much. NIL is going to level the playing field. And actually, the NIL stuff is going to keep marginal guys in college uh, much more likely than it would uh, a high draft pick because they can probably make more NIL money than they would as an NFL free agent. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
It's not like Ohio State guys are getting. It's not like the backup left guard is making two fifty thousand. Well, backup left guard's not going to the NFL. I'm no, I think that. I think you, maybe you look at somebody like Tommy Eichenberg. Yeah. Maybe maybe he goes in the past, right. but you right. can stay and make a little bit of NIL change. I did see him on a billboard for Waterworks. Uh, What's he making? We don't know, and I don't want to know. I mean, there's no way that's best. I mean, you don't want to know. I want to know. You, you I don't, don't care. Know? I don't care what these guys make. These Why guys are they? pros. We do, yeah. These we, I don't we, care. I care. Well, I think most people care. There, that that's the difference between me and you, Rob. Yeah. You don't want to pry into their personal life. I don't care how much they make. <laughs> it, it matters. It matters how much they make. Okay. Well, I mean, but but for a guy who's who's say going to make a hundred thousand nil money, and he might not get that in signing bonus from the NFL, well, if sure. he's a, a late pick or not picked at all. I, mean, I, I brought up Haskell Garrett as an example. You know, he he signs. I think it was something like $10,000 as an undrafted free agent. He could have made a lot more than that if NIL had been around um, yep. at Ohio State. Right. Yep. So, anyway, I think that probably covers the combine stuff. Let's, let's should we move on to spring fall? I'm, I'm good with that. We can uh, maybe talk about some of the big storylines, things uh, we're looking forward to. Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline. Oh, on let's, one, let's... On line one, uh, Joey wrote a big, nice – Piece on the new offensive coordinator, the Blake master Hall. of the chicken coop. We, knew, uh, coop. we know he's the offensive coordinator. We don't know he's going to call plays, but it was it was fun to get, I guess, to learn a little bit more about his his path into coaching and sort of what makes him tick. I uh, shared the article on Twitter. I hope you read it on on Dispatch.com. But I mean, he's an intense guy. He's a different guy, I think, maybe than somebody who grew up like Ryan Day, where he was always dreaming of maybe being a coordinator and scheming and all that. Brian Harline basically got into coaching by accident because his brother was an intern at Ohio State in 2016. And his brother, Brian, uh, Mike, Mike's Brian's younger brother, who was an intern, uh, Brian had just retired uh, from the NFL and said you should come practice and be on the scout team. And he was a player who liked to mentor younger players and teach him about route running and he's really into that sort of thing. And the rest is sort of history from, from there. And five, he five his, six years later, he's offensive coordinator. He caught his break when the Zach Smith saga happened. Yeah. I mean, that was, he was appointed to be the interim wide receivers coach because it was on the eve of training camp and you had to fire your wide receivers coach. And well, who do we got? Brian Hartline. And so it, that turned out to be quite fortuitous for the Buckeyes and for him. He's got a definite, Interesting history. Uh, I remember, I don't know, was it 10 years ago, Joey, when this was? Uh, maybe seven, eight. Yeah, it has to be at least 10 years. You talking about the convenience stores? Yeah, I did a story on him and he was working. He bought and was working the drive through at, at his convenience store on the store on the east side. And uh, that was kind of what he's, I wouldn't say it was his goal, but it was kind of how he was going to transition out of the NFL. And now he's O coordinator at uh, Ohio State. Yeah, he did some business stuff. I mean, he's somebody who could have gone the sort of the direction that guys like Bobby Carpenter went, where you go into to radio, you do some local business in Columbus. I mean, that's what James Laurinaitis did for right. 
a lot of years, and, and now James Lourdes is, is coaching at Ohio State as a as a GA. So those are kind of your main options if you're a retired NFL, former Ohio State player, business, media, or coaching. And he's done a hell of a job. I mean, the, the recruiting that he's done to get these five-star guy after five-star guys, it's remarkable. And then they've, he's developed them. And, you know, that's that's the position right now, that and quarterback are the positions that Ohio State is cranking out uh, player after player. Yep. So uh, let, let's – I do uh, think he is the biggest storyline. I don't know how much we're really going to get to get much of a feel for it throughout spring ball. But this is basically a trial run for for Brian Hartline as a play caller, and that's the big thing going forward for the program is who's going to be calling plays. Is it, is it Ryan Day? And are they going to be able to take some of that off his plate and give it to Brian Hartline? And these 15 spring practices are going to give him a chance to call the offense against Jim Knowles' defense. And if Ryan Day feels comfortable enough with the job that Brian Hartline does, there's a very good chance he's calling plays in September. If not, Ryan Day maybe is still the play caller, but I don't know how much insight we're going to get along the way through that that process. Um, in spring, it's sort of a hard thing to, to keep tabs on, but we'll he's, got one, he's got one thing going for him. He, you're certain to have a lot of big plays in the spring against uh, no matter what he calls. There are going to be some big chunk plays against you know this defense. Well, some of it is. Well, there's going to be a lot of missing players. I mean, I think uh, Emeka Buka is not going to be playing on defense. I wouldn't expect Tommy Eichenberg is not going to be playing. I would think the veterans, and it's a fairly veteran defense, is or, you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to be doing much, if anything. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, the pressure is still is also still on Jim Knowles because I have a story that's, that's running, in, in t- uh, running tomorrow that, yeah, statistically they were much improved last year, but not when it mattered. You know, against Michigan, they gave up the five huge plays that cost them the game. Against Georgia, they broke down at the end when they just needed to make a stand. And so he enters year two with a lot of pressure on him. Um, but I, I do think the defense should be pretty good. I mean, you think about who they lost. You know, the main guy they lost was Zach Harrison. Well, they they have JT Tuomolowell. They have uh, Jack Sawyer. They have Caden Curry, who people are really high on at defensive end. So I don't, you know, compared to what Ohio State usually loses on defense every year, I think they're in, in decent shape. Uh, they've got they got a couple transfers uh, at safety. They have Denzel Burke back. They have Lathan Ransom back. I mean, Josh Proctor's back. So, um, you know, it's not kind of like they have 20, you know, or, or tons of questions about the defense. They got to play better. But in terms of personnel, it's not like, oh, my God, who's going to play like the offensive line? I mean, that's, that's the question. Who's going to play on the offensive line? I don't know. It's not quite the same on defense. No, I, th- I think even at safety, there's some questions about how they align. Right. But I think it's more of where do guys end up playing? Like Lakethan Ramson was the boundary, or the boundary safety, strong safety last year. It's possible he could play more of the free safety with Ronnie Hickman gone. Or you could play Josh Proctor there. Um, or you could even play Jihad Carter, the transfer safety from Syracuse, because he has some experience playing the free safety. But I don't think it's that hard to, to pick three, four safeties you you feel good about. Um, same like where they're going to put Sony Sunny Styles. Right. The offensive line, I think there are a lot more questions about maybe even the guys they do have that you'd pencil in for those spots. I think the the secondary 
as maybe some more proven entities or, or guys you expect to, to be really promising, like Sonny Styles. It's more of a question of how do you get this guy on the field? Yeah, like the, the you know CJ Hicks. You figure, okay, they're only playing two linebackers in their base formation, and we know they're going to be Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. How do you work CJ Hicks in because he's probably going to push his way or deserve more playing time? Well, how are you going to do that? So that's that's one of the things. But you know, the, the questions on offense. There are really not many questions about the running backs. You have five of them. We don't know who it's going to be, but you know, uh, Travion Henderson is not going to be participating in the spring. He's still coming back from his foot surgery. Um, and no, Evan, no Evan Pryor either. Um, no Evan Pryor, right? But, but, you know, they're going to have five guys, assuming that they stay or get healthy. Uh, wide receivers, same thing. Uh, the questions are obviously quarterback where Kyle McCord and, and Devin Brown are going to duke it out. And then the offensive line where the only thing you, you're fairly sure about is that Donovan Jackson and Matt Jones are going to be the guards. Other than that, you know, we think Josh Fryer is going to play left tackle. We uh, Luke Whipler thought that Jacob James is probably the front runner to play center. Although they have Vic Cutler, the transfer from Louisiana Monroe is going to compete there. You have Enoch Mahi who's going to, it was what top backup last year, but at, at guard. And so where does he play? So there are a lot of questions about the offensive line. I, I still think, and it's it's funny because the quarterback position and quarterback competition would ordinarily be such a huge storyline, but it, it feels like it's Kyle McCord's job to lose just because he's been in the program for two years. I mean, he committed to Ohio State in April of 2019. Ryan Day had only been on the job for as the head coach of the program for a few months. So this is somebody that Ryan Day identified early as a recruit, brought him to Ohio State, signed, developed him for a couple of years. It should be his job. Um, Let me ask you guys this. What what chances, what percentage would you place on Kyle McCord winning the job? 65. That seems right. I'll go I'll go 75 to 80. Yeah, I would I would say McCord gets two out of three scenarios. Well, I mean, it's a little tough because we haven't seen spring. I mean, I right. think Kyle McCord can. It's almost to me like he could move backward easier than he could move forward and cement it. Only because Joey, what you, he's he's been here. Everybody's assuming he's the guy, right? Just maybe from a, a feel standpoint, you assume he's the guy because he's been in the system, and it's not like everybody's talking about Devin, you know, just being like unbelievable. But we haven't really seen it yet, right? Right. So, I mean, Devin Brown does have a chance. I'm not. I'm not. Well, that's right. Sixty-five. Well, yeah, he's got. Uh, yeah, he's got thirty-five percent chance. <laughs> I, I think it's a pretty good chance. Less, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I yeah, I give him a little bit less, but I, you know, I, it's not, I don't have inside information. I, I'm just guessing. Uh, and then they've got 15 practices to to kind of get a sense for that. Um, I mean, it's a little bit like two years ago when okay. C.J. Stroud was, and well, you know, C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller, in terms of how they how much they played in 2020, which was almost nothing. Um, you know, there was no way to base it off of well, that guy was clearly the top backup to Justin Fields. Uh, and then you had Kyle McCord coming in as a true freshman, and you knew he was a five-star guy. And maybe, you know, he was just special, special, and would force his way in. But we all kind of thought that C.J. Stroud was the favorite. But, I, you know, not quite – I mean, I, I think there's a stronger sense about McCord at this point 
That's, you know, it feels it feels somewhere in between how wide. Well, nineteen was a foregone conclusion with Justin Fields coming here. And, oh, you didn't think that uh, Gunnar Hoke was going to beat him out for the job? Nor Matthew Baldwin or or Chris Chargoff. I mean, I mean, Justin Justin Fields was the the second best prospect in his class. It's Justin Fields for, for for a reason, um, and. So that was a clear place where Justin Fields is the guy going into that quarterback competition. 21, I thought, was a little more wide open. This feels somewhere in between those two. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to find out how much they're going to reveal because these are not open practices. We might see, you know, bits and pieces of them. The breadcrumbs. Obviously, we'll see the spring game. Yeah, we'll get crumbs. I mean, maybe they'll open up a practice. I I have no idea, but I – you know, it's not like the NFL where you're actually watching these guys practice every day, and you and you could just tell. I mean, we're, we this is a what we're what we're hearing as opposed to what we're seeing. Well, if, we, if it was an open practice case where you had every practice open, I mean, we'd be char- you'd be charging passes, right? Practically, oh. <laughs> like uh, six of, of thirteen passes in the seven on seven period, or this this quarterback was, yeah. Intercepted twice today. You'd have an interception tracker. I mean, you'd have all sorts of. We'll say, hey, this guy stretched very well today. This guy stretched really, you know, is he maybe wasn't quite as flexible as the other guy today. I mean, that's what that's kind of what we see. You see, well, you guys, uh, largely who works out with what position group. Yes, right. How they align in terms of who's right. the first string. So you get some depth chart. I think questions cleared up, like who's going to line up as the center. But as far as an evaluation goes in terms of who's playing well or who's really coming on, it's too, it's too hard to formulate that from our end. You're more sort of reading tea leaves from what's said. How important is it to be more than just mobile based on what's happening in college football, the trend of you've got to be able to escape the pocket? And, you know, C.J. Stroud did a better job. He showed – he showed in the Georgia game really kind of what you want or what they really wanted from him all along. And, hey, he had a great career, statistically, passer, all that. So I guess the question is, we really haven't seen these guys, but do you get a sense that McCord or Brown is a better runner, a little more mobile? And where, uh, yeah. that, where does that factor and weigh into things if you're Ryan Day? I What I've heard – is that Devin Brown's the more naturally mobile guy, that he's more the guy that would be more likely just to take off and go. Um, but the Kyle McCord can move. You know, he's not a statue. He, he's probably a more willing runner than, than C.J. Stroud was and and perfectly fine at it. Not, not Justin Fields, obviously, and not Braxton Miller, obviously, but capable. And... Um, you know, I think as a passer, McCord is ahead of of Brown from what I've heard in terms of just kind of consistency. I think Brown can make all the throws. He's a year younger. Um, we'll see. I mean, that, that's one of the, you know, we don't, we just don't get a chance to see them. It's just what I've kind of heard. Uh, and you'll have 15 practices for that to sort itself out. Does the loser transfer? Well, Devin Brown has said, maintained all along, and I asked him again at the, at the meeting, so all you could do was ask, right? I can't read their minds. He said he's here for the long haul no matter what. I think if, I think if Kyle McCord got beaten out in the spring 
if Ryan Day at the end of spring practice said Devin Brown's the guy, I think Kyle McCord is gone. I don't think that's a stretch. You know, he's a junior. He's got to play. Devin Brown's a redshirt freshman. He doesn't have to play. And so, which could be another reason that Kyle McCord, if it's a tie or anything close to a tie, is the starter because he doesn't want to lose him. It's better for death. I will yeah. say, Rob, as far as your question earlier, too, about the, the, the mobility factor and, and plays outside of structure, Corey Dennis talked a little bit about it um, when they had the assistant coaches available last month, the idea that they want foremost the quarterback to be efficient and to move the offense. Like I don't think somebody's going to win the Ohio State starting quarterback job because they're mobile, mobile. They can do no, plays no, no, outside no. of structure. I think the, it's a bonus. As I'm it's saying, a, it's, a, it's a bonus, but I don't know if it's gonna really going to be like a. Yeah, it could be factor. a Well, it could be a. It could be a tiebreaker. Or, CJ maintained all along that he did. One of the reasons he didn't run is because it wasn't really encouraged by Ohio State. So I, I've never had the impression that it's something they've really valued all that much. Well, yeah, but they will. They will examine the season. They're always adjusting and they're looking at what's happening in college football. And you look at the guys coming out. Uh, you know. The quarterback's coming out. Who's best? Is it just arm? Is it? Hey, CJ could move. It's not like he was a statue by any means. But, you know, it gives you a little extra. All things being equal, obviously, you want the guy who can get you the yards. On oh, the right. I, mean, I, I think the one thing Devin Brown's got going for him, other than maybe an edge in the in the run game, is there is a bit of an it factor with him. He's got a charisma there's a there's a certain kind of you can just kind of tell from talking to him that he's he wants to be the guy i'm not saying comic is not like that i think comic cord is a little bit quieter by nature and you could be a perfectly good leader and i heard that that toward the end of last year he really you know to use the cliche the light went on and he became that but i think that you know you talk to devin brown you for a few minutes you, you know he's he's got personality uh, there's a little bit of a, you know, that to it. Uh, again, not saying it's not that with Kyle McCord. He's just kind of a more mild-mannered guy. So we'll see. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean that he's a better leader on the field. I don't I don't know that. But that's the one thing I kind of thought about Devin Brown is there is there is some kind of it factor with him. He was he had the reputation in high school, too, being a gunslinger, right, Bill? Yeah, for better or worse, right? He threw some picks, and and we saw in in the little practices we saw at the uh, at the Peach Bowl that there was a little bit of that, right? I mean, I think I saw him throw a pick, um, you know, and that's one thing Ryan Day has no patience for. I mean, number one thing is ball security; don't throw picks. I mean, you're going to throw some. I mean, I think about like the picks that that just or uh, the CJ threw out through against Michigan at the end. Two, you know, those were not quote-unquote, his fault. I mean, one was desperation and one was, I think, got tipped. It was, you know, the receiver should have caught it. So, you know, not all interceptions are are the same. Here, but, here's, my, here's my take on all that, which is we've seen this now the last few years. It maybe is always this way, but it's it's come to the forefront. You can throw picks against Rutgers. You can throw picks right, against right. – like, that's not what matters. And that gets back to the mobility thing in my mind. Like, it's really when you're getting into the playoffs, when you're getting against a Georgia defense, that is like the difference maker. Yeah. That's where you have to really be a, a cut above 
in mobility and all these things that, yeah, you don't want to throw picks in those games for sure. But this, this is the issue they've got. I guess, you know, Georgia and Alabama have it too. They're just playing such it's chess versus checkers for most of the season. And then they get into these games and these tough games. And it's like, what, what do you do? So, you know, when you're talking about picks, how many picks in, in big time games uh did CJ throw or really is anybody thrown in the last couple of years? Well, we have the two against Michigan that I just talked about. Right. I don't think he threw any against Georgia, right? And there were no picks right. against Georgia. Um you know, I, I mean I think CJ Stroud actually played well in the Michigan games. I mean, yeah, I don't think they lost because of him. Uh they lost because the defense, you know, was non existent. Um, and, and the running game didn't help them. I mean, you know, there were, there, I don't, you can list, you know, five reasons why Ohio State lost the mission the last two years. I'm not sure that CJ Stroud is anywhere near the top of those lists. No, 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 no. I guess, you know, I, I get where Ryan Day is saying ball security, don't throw picks. That's the number one thing, but I kind of like a little bit of a gunslinger. I mean, I'm looking at Stetson Bennett who got like no love. We were all like, why is he a Heisman candidate? But then I watched him in those games, in the two playoff games, and I thought he kind of did deserve to be a Heisman finalist. I mean, he he had the ability, to your point, of it factor. Right. That mattered. That that kid, as knucklehead as he can be, uh, he's got the it factor. And he made big plays, and he had a little gunslinger in him. Right. And, you know, you'd like to, you'd, you'd like to have that. Well, I think both, you know, McCord and and Brown can do that. I mean, they both have really good arms. They, but you're right. Look, Ohio State's going to win a minimum of seven games just by. I mean, I could be the coach and they'd win seven games. I'd say, you know, coach, assistant coaches run the show and players roll the ball outs, and you know they'll they're not going to lose to some of those teams. It's you know this year let's 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 go through the games they could lose at Notre Dame. Conceivably at Wisconsin, depending on what fickle, how quickly he's able to get that thing going. Obviously, Michigan, obviously Penn State, even though it's here. You know, they're they're the four. You know, Michigan State, I doubt it. Indiana, I doubt it. Western Kentucky and and Youngstown State, no. Um, Rutgers, no. You know, Maryland gave him a game last year. You know, you never know with Maryland. They're kind of a just all over the place, but they're going to win. I mean, they have four real games where you go, eh, you know, they got they better come to play at Purdue. It's always been a house of horrors, but I wouldn't think Purdue this year is going to be anything special. I think has Joey has Joey left the scene. <laughs> Where's Joey? <laughs> Joey, did you freeze up? I think. Come on. Can... No, I was just. Uh... You were enamored with our. I was. I was. I was captivated by the. Captivated. The, well, I mean, it's schedule true. review. It's true, and you know, as I think about it. Again, we just get so sucked into this thing of how good they are against these teams. They're just killing. And, you know, that's the great question. How much does it hurt them when it comes to the playoffs? Well, they played Georgia right to the end, so it didn't really hurt them. I mean, they lost to Michigan, came right and bounced back. So, of course, they didn't beat Georgia either. So, uh I don't know. It's just they're gonna they're gonna dominate. Bill, you made great. Point. Washington will provide a, a really good test uh, in twenty four. Actually, never mind. They're not playing them anymore. <laughs> That'll be a real. 
Well, the, USC, the, USC and UCLA. Yeah. We don't know that they're going to play both of those teams. We don't right? We don't know. Uh, I'm referring to the cancellation of the home-and-home home series with Washington a couple weeks ago. And the, yeah. the, the, it seems that Ohio State suspects they will play USC or UCLA out west in those years, which does make sense because TV does drive these things. So they, they may have a West Coast trip in 24, which means they want only one West Coast trip within the league rather than a second one out of conference. But, I mean – that's really too bad because I would have liked going to, to Husky Stadium and, and watched them play a, a pretty good Pac-12 team. Uh, Washington's really uh, rebounded uh, last year. Yeah, but they're going to lose their quarterback. Penix is. They will, but, but Caleb DeBoer's a pretty good coach. Like I think they'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know this. I haven't asked about this, but I would assume Ohio State's going to play both of those teams, right? USC and UCLA. I would think that the first year. Mm, I don't know. Not necessarily. I'm not I mean, sure about I that. they're not guaranteed to. I would just think that they would want to, that the league would they, want them to. I would the think league. the league would want to, yeah. If you're yeah, trying to. Sure if you're... They would, but, you know. I mean, UCLA is decent. I mean, USC, although Caleb Williams will be gone. I think it's just I think it's just the helmet game. Whether UCLA is good or not, or, or whatnot. If it's Ohio State, UCLA, it's 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 right. a bunch of Rose Bowls past. And uh, I think if you are a national audience, it's a big noon Saturday. Uh, you can at nine o'clock on the West Coast. Yeah, if you got that. You that means you also. Got, I mean, Michigan could make the same argument, right? Playing both of them. And well, then, why not? Yeah. I mean, you, you USC I mean, and UCLA have to play nine league games. So if you're the Big Ten setting their schedule, I think you'd rather them play Ohio State and Michigan and, and Penn State uh, early, earlier later than later rather than, say, Iowa or Illinois or, or Maryland. Um, although the other side of the coin is USC and UCLA may not want to play all those those good packs. Right, that, that's my point. I mean, you want, you want to go in and have to play <laughs> the toughest like your first year. Remember, though, that's the first year of the expanded playoffs. So you just have to be one of the best 12 teams, not best four. Yeah. That what you know, that's going to make it a little bit less, um, uh, you know, imposing, I guess, in terms of uh, a UCLA, USC saying, I don't want to play both of them. And, you know, lump Penn State in that with that group, too, because Penn State should be good. Yeah. And, you know, that's where you get into some weird travel stuff, too. Like, there, there's a difference between going to Iowa or wherever and going out to La La Land, right? Or them having to come all the way in. I mean, it's a disadvantage for those teams to have to travel. Oh, of course. Coming, of course. Like, I mean, and or whatever. More so for the non-football sports than, yeah. than football. Yeah. I mean, football, you have, you know, six road games at most. And, uh, you know, basketball or the, the Olympic sports, you know, where you're flying commercial, that's – that's going to be tough on them. So that's their problem. Anything else we should uh, close or, or hit on as far as spring practice goes? Uh, I think we touched on what we think are the, the main storylines, right? It's going to be the offensive line and the quarterback on offense. And on, on defense, it's going to be – well, I'm not sure how much you're really going to know. I guess how the secondary shakes out. And Who's, who's playing where? Who's play, Right, that's what I mean. Who's playing where? And then defensive line. You know, we know JT Tuomolo is going to be the defensive end, and we're pretty sure that Jack Sawyer is going to be at the other other side along with. No, we don't. We don't totally know how much Jack Sawyer is going to play defensive end versus. Yeah, the, the Jack thing. That's right. I think that's yeah. kind of interesting to see where he ends up splitting most of his time. And on the inside, you have Tyreek Williams and Michael Hall, and uh, um, who's the? Oh my God! Uh, what's what's his name? 
Ty Hamilton. Ty Hamilton. I'd say what I'm curious about is the running backs. We won't know that till the fall, really. Right. But yeah. that, the plot thickens there because of injuries, because of uh, durability, and just uh, yeah, you know, the young kids are the young kids are pretty good. And you can make well, a case like each one of those five could be a starter or or a guy who's deserving of 15 carries a game. Absolutely, I would guess by the end, by the time we get to training camp, I I suspect suspect we won't have all five. I mean, I don't, you know, there's no way to know and. But I, I think if if it's clear that Travion Henderson's healthy and that Evan Pryor's healthy, that and where they might stand on the pecking order, I would assume Travion Henderson is still the number one back if he's healthy. But Mayan Williams is one A. You know where does that leave Dallin Hayden? Where does that leave Chip Trainum? Because really, going back to linebackers, not much of an option for him. But. I guess it, I mean he doesn't mean he prefers running back. My, then, my question with Chip Trainum is the fact that um, he so because he transferred from Arizona State. Say if you were to identify him as somebody you could be a, be optionally, would, would he be able to play eligible? He transferred from Arizona State to, to Ohio State in in last year, so he doesn't. I don't think have a one time transfer exception unless he graduates as a grad transfer. Um, I don't. I, I'm honestly, I'm not sure about that. But. I don't know how that that all would, would shake well, out. But I guess it's, a, it's a crowded room. I mean, you could, I think, make a case for a lot of these guys to to play because they all do a little bit different stuff. I mean, Evan Pryor is more of a pass catcher. I think people rave about Chip Tradem as is maybe the best athlete on the team. Um, yeah, there's a reason he played so much against uh, Michigan. Dallin Hayden, I think, really impressed people the way he ran against Maryland. Just a real, I think, north south runner can hit holes. We saw what Mayan Williams can do. I mean, just his, his ability to to wiggle. And they, so they all do different stuff. They all could have a role. But the guy, the guy who's got the most to prove in some ways is Travion Henderson. No doubt. And he knows it. And he wants to. And there, yeah, there's we'll no see. doubt. Of the five running backs, he's the one that, you know, wants, that has the pressure and I think wants the pressure. And look, they, you know, Tony Alford, the running backs coach, could say to them, we, yes, there are five of you right now. But look at what happened last year. Stay the course, stick mm-hmm. with it, and you could get your chance. Because last year, you know, Mitch Rossi was getting carries, you know. So running back's a brutal position, you, you know. And, and so – but I still think, you know, five's an awful lot to, to, to have in training camp. The argument they had last year would be pretty pretty compelling as far as the the, the amount of guys they did circle through. So yeah, I mean that that's that'll it's be probably got to be fresh in a lot of their minds, even the players themselves. Yeah, so well, that's more a question for training camp than spring. Um, but yeah, I think we I think we've covered kind of the the preview part of yeah, it. We'll, yeah, we'll have some some fresh news. I think a little bit uh, after Tuesday, we get to watch a little bit of practice Tuesday morning, so we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about the, the twenty three Buckeyes. All right. Thanks for, Thanks for listening. Adios. Be sure and subscribe to the Buckeye Extra podcast in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on Stitcher.